Welcome to episode 450 and 9 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. He is wearing a sweatshirt, boys and girls. It is near the end of September. Fall is here, and it's here to stay. That's why Russell is wearing the appropriate attire. Yeah, Russell get, John the Fisherman. I'm getting over a cold, too. So my temperature has been fluctuating. You I may mean, pop it off during this. Oh, very yeah, nice. I know. As you popped it, you popped it on at the beginning of the interview. Yeah. Now you're going <laughs> to pop it off yeah. mid-show. Well, I took it off in our little break in between. Look it's, at you being a little, little tease on camera. You only <laughs> dress and de-dress <laughs> on camera. What are you, me? No, I need more endless blankets. I'm right there. But I, I'm feeling better. I, I'm no longer sleeping in the front room. I've been uh, allowed back into yeah. the uh, excellent into where the magic happens. You know what I mean? What is this cribs? <laughs> also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, in the guest room today. We never know. Sometimes it's going to be in the small room. Sometimes we're going to be out there in the open. It's Randy Michael Stan. What's up? Yeah, this is me. Where the magic happens, aka where I play music sometimes. Ooh. Well, we'll see you next week. <laughs> Now, Randy, what what is the what is the determining factor of uh, where you're going to set up shop? Today it you... was laziness because I still had everything set up here. Usually, Christian and I record the vinyl floor in the living room, mm-hmm. so I'm having to do a different setup anyways, just because it feels more comfortable since we're both in person. But uh, I had everything. We didn't record this week, so I still have everything set up from last time we talked. So how uh, how's the vinyl floor going, Randy? How's uh, how's the show's been going? You guys, how far in advance are you guys taping? Well, now it's only going to be like one or two weeks, I think. Uh, we were maybe going to do an episode this past Friday, but um, got lazy, and uh, I had had a different idea. We were we're going to do an episode on a uh, on a music movie, a documentary okay. that I bought from Vinegar Syndrome. And I haven't watched yet, but I Ooh. figured that uh, we could have a guest that may have some things to say about the uh, documentary and the band. And I know uh, he wanted to see it as well. So I think we're going to postpone. Yeah, that right. shit happens. You start banking, you know, like, yeah, we could wait, take a little vacay. <laughs> yeah. And then fuck, dude, it's hard to get out of that That's, hole. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, what's, uh, What's next up on uh, what can our list what can your listeners expect on this week's episode of the vinyl floor? That's Today a great question. I know that on the last one we uh <laughs> we closed out the the A section of both of our record collections, so I think we're starting on uh on the B section. Uh what do we what do we got on this next one? Uh we talk about the Bengals, walk like an <laughs> Egyptian. Oh, oh. Deep cuts, huh? Yeah, uh, Christian has a like twelve inch like single with like three different versions of it. Easy. Apparently. And uh, talk about a band that I find kind of boring called Band of Horses. Oh, shots fired! It's a what are the emo bullshit? What's happening? Band of Horses. Yeah, like indie. Yeah, whatever. Bonnie Vare. You're going to talk about that piece of garbage? I, I like Bonnie Vare. I don't think I. Of I don't you do. own and Christian. I don't think owns any of his albums, but. He has some records that, I, that I'm into, for sure. All right. All right. Fuck, Mary kill. Bonnie Vare. Who's the other guy I don't like? 
Um, he has the weird Shuv John Stevens. And it's only those two. <laughs> so, uh, fuck or kill? Uh, kill soft Jan and then. Damn. <laughs> fuck Boney there. Because of the religious overtones of Suf Jan? Is that what's happening? I don't mind Suf Jan. I have one album that is still in California. Russ, can you stand any of that sleepy bullshit? No. I can't. It's horrible. Can't also, let it. me remind you, you yelled at David Lynch last week for plugging the vinyl floor. And now you want to do a whole fucking... Randy doesn't even talk about this show. I know, but then I, can I tell you? <laughs> is, I don't know. I started... I was like, we should, we should talk about Randy's show on this show more, Yeah, but you know what Randy's never thought? We should mm. talk about the Overlook Hour. I reference the, the Overlook Hour on the vinyl floor very often. <laughs> yeah. Prove it, Randy. You don't don't you it. dare put a clip in here. <laughs> And also joining us behind the wall, beneath the curtain in the land of Oz is Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Hi. What's going on? I've never heard of any of those bands. <laughs> A band of horses? <laughs> nope. <laughs> right. mm. What? Yeah, I don't know. Were you no trying way. to make like a under horseman <laughs> joke or something? <laughs> I, know. I didn't know where he was going. <laughs> I know. And you're like, hmm, no. No, can I, I, cause in my head, I only thought Sparkle Horse. And I was like, well, there's nowhere to go with that. So who cares? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know a band of horses either. Well, this is a strong start. To I did beef with Horse the Band. I talked about it on here before. Horse the Band? Yeah, I saw that threw, once. Yeah, they threw a mic at me. Why? Why were you being a little prick? <laughs> I was being a fucking cool guy. Oh my god! I was standing up front with my middle fingers up. <laughs> oh boy! Hey, yeah, we all get with... to be when when was this pit <laughs> Uh What are you talking about? I that is me, bro. I understand. What do you think of the name Lord Battle came from? Definitely not Roundtable Wrestling, which I used to run. Um, <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Uh, when in Santa Cruz, dude, <laughs> act like the Cruzians. Oh well, I mean, I uh, <laughs> I'm. W- you get a free pass. Yeah. All right. The temperature's different down there. Yeah, I know. You know, I get it. I get it. Again, if you, you haven't heard pass. this story before, go back. I, I mentioned how I got the crowd chanting at this dude who tried to stand up. He tried to get my face. Hey, and as a reminder, Santa Cruz is the only place where Pitt Clark has made an appearance. That's true. So so that's oh, what I'm saying. That's Something's true. different in the water down there. Dude. God. Last time I pitted was in Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> oh, Cleveland Steamer, Ohio. I don't know why they made me laugh. <laughs> During the band Coke Bus, who uh, we played with on tour, they're a great band. Trade Edge band. Yeah. Randy, did you uh, just schlep a lot of merch in Cleveland? They buy a lot of buying a lot of t-shirts in Cleveland. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, we weren't we weren't a huge band, and uh, I do remember on one tour, I screen printed all of our shirts for a certain amount of time. I bought yeah. this. I brought the screen with me in case we needed to print extra shirts, and we did mid tour. So I had shirts shipped to our friend's house. Wow! And I printed more shirts there. That sounds like a bitch to bring around a fucking screen with you. I mean, Do you have like a thing screen. of paint? Do you have paint with you yeah. too? Oh yeah, I bought God. some. Brought some with me. <laughs> also, Randy, that's what, hardcore. What color belt you got? Uh, I think it was purple back in the day. A purple belt. Is, do you what level belt do you need to get into a hardcore pit? Because I know y'all are throwing karate <laughs> kicks and chops and shit. So it's for everyone, dude, white belt. <laughs> oh, the white power belt. You no, know, it's a <laughs> the pit's an inclusive place. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it is. All right. 
yeah. Proud Boy and Antifa, like. So, like I mentioned, uh, I'm getting better, but if you hear me coughing, I apologize. I'm going to do my best. We don't have a cough button. No, you're doing great. I'm going to try and uh, hit the the thing. So if I fade out or you hear it in the back, it's not a ghost. It's just me. Um, was there anything else up top? Oh, we didn't take any notes. No, just that uh, during my portion of, of the program, uh, I have to right some wrongs uh, from last week. <laughs> and by that, I, it's not even wrongs. It's just uh, last week's episode was uh, we had the, the great Christian Perez on. Randy's cohort over there at the Vinyl 4 podcast had him on because uh, Christian ushered Randy into the world of Neil Breen. And uh, everyone at this table certainly thought that uh, we could not pass up that opportunity to have Christian on to talk about that experience. And it was a home run episode. And uh, thank you all for the good feedback about that episode. Now, with that being said, did it throw my internal clock off? Yes, it did. And I forgot to talk about two very important things, which I will talk about in this week's episode. Um, And a little tease for you. Uh, it involves a movie recommendation, Russell, from uh, our dear friend Zach Carter, yeah. uh, who uh, seven weeks ago uh, <laughs> recommended a movie to me on Instagram. So, uh, Zach, In World Camera, too. So, Zach, I'm finally going to pay that off two months uh, after you got I, – I, I'm so bad with Instagram messaging. I'm yeah. really bad with it. And I just, I forgot about it. And then I just remember something. Oh, I remember exactly how this happened. I was watching um, Screenbox. Okay. I was trying to find something on Screenbox. And I found a movie called Cornhusker. <laughs> and I immediately thought, oh, dude, how did, how has Zach not told us about this movie? That was the, that was the, like the, I, I saw that movie and I'm like, oh, this is a Zach movie. Yeah. And come to find out, it's a uh, Vinegar Syndrome release because they they have a partnership with Screenbox. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. And then since I thought of Zach, I immediately, oh, he told me a movie recommendation six weeks ago at that time. And now I'm going to pay that off. So the world will be righted with that. And then also uh, last week as well, we had all watched the same thing in preparation for the show to talk about it. Um, and we completely forgot about yeah. that as well. So we'll pay uh, that bit off as well. Uh, we all watched the same television episode uh, from Inside Number 9, uh, the British, um, I don't know, well, suspense, mystery, horror show. Horror, I don't know. Yeah, they do all comedy. Yeah. They hit it all, baby. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot and, uh, the final was well, not the final season, the eighth season, the latest season, uh, just came out to the U S a couple of weeks ago. So, um, we, uh, caught up on a, uh, controversial episode. So we'll talk about that. Hey, I can't find Cornhusker. Is that not the name of the movie? <laughs> I don't think it is. I can't find it at all on here. All right. But on top of that, I, uh, don't want to mention it later and I forgot to, I did finish, uh, telemarketers too. And yeah. I, I thought it was, it was really good. I um I am curious how production of the third season went. Like I would like to know if they had already been bought by HBO or not, because it felt like they were kind of playing with money in a way that they shouldn't have been, especially when they end up driving all over the fucking country. It's called the corn husk. The corn shucker. Shucker. The corn shucker. Uh two Ks. Okay. <laughs> And corn. corn is with the K too, right? It's fifty nine minutes. No, 
<laughs> the corn shucker. Okay, I found that. Whoa, black and white? Oh, yeah. I was not. What the fuck? Powders in it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> did, did you watch it? Uh, no, because no. then I, no, well, I haven't gone back because then, you know, my thought process w- yeah. led me to uh, okay. watch the movie that I'm going to talk about. Get back to that later. Okay, is there anything else we want to do up top? Oh, actually, you know, if you're in Philadelphia, go check out Puff. They got a couple of our guest um, premieres there. So um, Nick Verdi and uh, Br Yeager, their new film, and oh, we'll be talking to them on Thursday. I'm yep. sorry, I know you like to hide that. No, it's, no, it's if it if it works in naturally, yeah, it's fine. So uh, they'll be showing Sweet Relief out there. I'm not sure when. Oksana, can you pull up the schedule? We should know this. Friday at um, 8 p.m., I think. They're also doing the world premiere of Grieve. Yeah, and Grieve, too. Um, Robbie oh, starring Smith's Clark film. Little? Starring Clark Little. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, can we do a separate poster of Robbie's movie but have my name above the title? <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Why <laughs> just not? send that to Robbie. I'll, uh, we should cut a trailer. We'll put it out there That's with it. just you. Um, it's a, also it's I did half a second long. I can't remember if I mentioned it on here, but I did cut a trailer for marbles and for puff with a Gothic King Cobra holding his bearded dragon puff. And he just says, I love my puff. And he said, what? I don't know. Ain't nothing to puff with. I think is the other thing. And then he says, fuck my trolls. At which point I fade the video into a puff poster from, I think two years ago. I sent it to Madeline and she didn't respond for a week. And then I said, did you watch it? And she said, watch what? I said, the link I sent you. And she said, oh shit. And then she sent it to the other guy. And she's like, I think we're going to show this in the theater. <laughs> there you go. So you're missing out on a bunch of overlook hour action. If you're not going there. Um, anything else up top? Oh, submissions for offer open open <laughs> virtual is going to be happening in two months. I realize now we haven't talked about that at all. Um, uh, Sorry. Um, Oksana, anything else? No? Okay, I think <laughs> no. we're good then. All right, are we ready for a Wait, what did you say about the virtual? Should be happening in two months. Oh, wow. Yeah, end of November, a little bit after uh, Cliff's birthday. Oh, a little tea give virtual edition. <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, we failed oh, to yeah. anything. Do a virtual and then head into a first birthday party. Yeah. Oh, wait, it's the birthday before or after? I thought it was before. It's before, but the party is after. Oh, sorry, Cliff. Welcome to life. You got to wait. This is going to be your whole life. It may be the actual date, but you're going to have to wait for the fucking party. Grow up, kid. Um. All right. Are we ready to let him in? Uh, real quick. I, I do want to bite on that. Uh, if I might. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I what, what, like, what's, uh, what's the thought process on a, a one-year-old birthday party? Like, what's the approach here? Tequila, vodka. Uh, yeah. Beer pong. Oh, that'd take him right out. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be kid friendly, like jello shots or something. Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't see that coming. Bravo. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I wanted to do it the weekend before. Apparently, it's a big fat no no. It's a superstition that I found out about two weeks ago, maybe, that you can't have a birthday party before the birthday. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our moms, dude. It just seems like a bad They're tag teaming. We were getting like Latin and like a Russian superstitions left <laughs> yeah. and right. Yeah. And it's hard to juggle them. It's yeah. very hard. They agree. They overlap a little bit, but. Um, <laughs> but not much. Nope. Yeah. I don't know. I've never planned one. So this will be a learning experience. Well, you know what you guys got to do then? There's only one answer on how you figure that out. How? You lie to your parents. Oh, yeah. I, mm. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we learned very early on. Yeah, at uh, age eleven. <laughs> no, there. Uh, yeah, there was a uh, 
issue that involved the genitalia that uh oh we, we ended up button heads about immediately turtleneck yeah we don't have to get too much into that um yeah are we ready and you said turtleneck i could hear david leaning against the door out there <laughs> did someone say turtleneck dude he can hear you all right are you ready let's do it good morning it's september 24 2023 and it's a sunday Day two of weekend projects and the fun work train is rolling. Today, I will be spending a large amount of time in the observatory. I downloaded an app on my phone that shows you star locations even in the daytime. Everyone have a great day. All right, David, it was good seeing you. It's pretty good. This is the dumbest shit I've ever <laughs> Don't fucking say that. He he's so prolific that they make blacklight posters out of him. Okay, oh, you'll never be there. Can I say? And I'm not going to explain <laughs> the reasons why. But this segment started out as something I absolutely hated, <laughs> and has turned into maybe my favorite thing for reasons that it doesn't matter. But it's, it may be my favorite segment we do on the show. Yeah, duh. Welcome to the fucking party, dude. Oh my God. Welcome to the work and week train. It's very good. The, the weekend. I, whatever. <laughs> yep. Really fix that in post. Prime example. <laughs> I'm getting over a cold. All here. right. We're, we're moving along, I would say, almost swimmingly. Don't. When you fucking say it, dude. I know. I can't. <laughs> man, these two-hour episodes are killing me. Watch. Okay. It looks like Randy's only got two movies, but how much you want to bet he's got three shows he's going to bring up? I mean, you know, let, let Randy do what Randy's going to do. He's in the small room today. <laughs> you know, he can't, he can't, uh, you know, stretch like he can in the big room. Sure. What shows have I been watching? <laughs> well, what'd you say? I said, I'm trying to think what shows have I been watching? I can't think. Well, I don't know, Randy. My, uh, you shut down my uh, bug that I had in <laughs> your house that I could pay attention to everything. My little ponies. That's true. Football. What else you got? Oh, for me or for no, Randy? Randy. Oh, for <laughs> yeah, Randy, you turn into a football guy now? No. Uh, I haven't been watching a lot of TV shows, but I've been listening to a lot of the band The Smashing Pumpkins, if that has anything to do with anything. Why? <laughs> I thought things were going good for you. They are. Smashing Pumpkins rule. Every once in a while, I get really into the later album called Machina, which I think not a lot of people even know or are a fan of, but I think it's very good. Ex Machina. I love that movie. Yeah, dude. Good film. Directed by Billy Corgan. Okay. Randy Michaelstadt, we go over to Atlanta, Georgia to talk to you and uh, to talk to you to talk about Hulu. Hold on. Before we get to Randy, how high are you right now? Today you seem particularly high. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Did you like have, what did you smoke down there? What are you talking about? You mainlining? You got an edible going. There's a different. There's a different kind of energy, and I'm, I'm I, happier. I like it. I'm I'm loose today. But you also feel like somebody who's like uh, beaten on the weed train enough to where you don't really get that. You're chasing the dragon. Oh, there's no question. And, the dragon's being chased. Yeah, but I feel like it got its tail today. No, I'm just I'm 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 calm. <laughs> I think that may be it. I'm calm. I don't. I I have a less sense of foreboding dread for whatever reason. Uh, well, I told you, uh, Randy, I'm going to pull back on your intro here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, yesterday was a terrible day. 
Mm-hmm. Football killed me. Mm-hmm. And I think that I have, uh, I'm refreshed. Oh, good. I am a new, I lost more money than I care to mention yesterday. How much? It doesn't matter. Four numbers. No, no, Five? no, no. Three. No, not even three. Close well, to three. Oh, then what the f- well, But no, because I was, I was very pumped up yesterday. <laughs> I, 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 I made some bold choices and I was very, I was overly confident in those bold choices because uh, I felt like I was due and I got humbled. Shut the, you probably spent more at McDonald's than you and lost then in also, this bed. That's also fair. Yeah. No, <laughs> McDonald's is done. Yeah, I can't do that. I'm not doing that shit anymore. I right. can't do it. No, I've got the taco truck now. That's all I need. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I've Randy. I've got the taco <laughs> truck. <laughs> okay, I just had to. I had to ask. But no, football it is. It, it was so terrible yesterday <laughs> that today I have fully faced the realization that I'm just imprisoned by this coach who has lied to us for three years and is a terrible evaluator of talent, and I've just accepted this reality. And I'm fine. And that's just what it is. And we'll see you next week. Okay. <laughs> uh, but also, I mean, all this football talk is not for naught, as uh, I will be sharing a little bit more in that regards. Okay. Can't wait. <laughs> and that's what we call sarcasm. Damn it, Randy. I'm looking at the docket, and you watch the movie that I hell on to watch. So I'm excited. Hell yeah. All right. So Randy Michael, is this a movie cuck? <gasps> Did you movie cut Rusty? Not on purpose. You don't have to answer. Sometimes Randy. you don't have to buy into his fucking propaganda. Movie cut tested very well. No, it didn't. <laughs> it made you mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what you got? Is the one that you wanted to watch the uh, the sci fi alien picture? Yeah. Hell yeah! It's on uh, Hulu. Just came out uh, this past Friday, the twenty second. Directed and written by Brian Duffield, who did a movie called uh, Spontaneous, which I didn't think I was going to enjoy too much. It looked like it was going to be a little too cute, but uh, it's actually very good. Be um, cute. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a movie, sort of like a horror t- and uh, teen sort of rom-com movie where teenagers spontaneously combust. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah, it's called Spontaneous. It's good. Oh, okay. Came out like uh, three years ago or something like that. But uh, his new one. How, how was the combustion? What are they doing? Like, is it guts or is it like. It's pickle? good. It's, it's gory. Okay. Carry on. And his new one, uh, No One Will Save You, is on Hulu. And basically stars Caitlin Deaver. Uh, it's basically the. There's other people in it, but um, the entire movie is basically wordless. It's basically sort of like a silent movie. There's a lot of like really great sound design and everything, but. You could easily watch it with no sound, and I think you could still be pretty. It would still be pretty tense and uh, work pretty well. But is there BGM? Uh, is there? Yeah, there's music in it. Yeah, mm, the Christopher Nolan. But uh, yeah, essentially, Caitlin Deaver, uh, her character is sort of looks like she's sort of reclusive, like not by her own choice, but it looks like the people in the town. Uh, have issues with her. Um, all this is kind of done like in that. sort of, you know, visual storytelling. As I said, there's like maybe one line of dialogue in the whole movie that's actually very short. Um, 
and she's in this like really big, uh, really big house, like sort of in the middle of the forest. Uh, I think the shot is in New Orleans. I thought. Oh Just shit! Visually looking at it, uh, it kind of looked like a northeastern sort of like rural area, but apparently the shot in New Orleans. Um, but yeah, she's in this this big house. Um, how she got the house, I don't, know, I don't know. But she's apparently the only one living in it. But uh, she, yeah, like I said, she's like reclusive and she's not really like doesn't talk to anybody when she goes into town. And um, one night when she is uh, sleeping, she gets visited by uh, by some aliens, and she has to sort of um, deal with one of them that enters her house. And so it becomes sort of like a alien home invasion movie uh, for a good portion of the movie. Um, it is very tense. Caitlin Deaver's like reactions to everything, to the aliens, which you do see a lot of actually. Um, they look rather good, I think, for most of the movie. And I think I kind of like it most when you sort of see like, there's a scene where she's like underneath a bed and you see like the aliens like foot and like how the like foot and like the toes sort of like retract and whatnot. And it's really cool, like creature design and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a, like I said, it's sort of like an alien invasion or alien, uh, home invasion movie. Um, there are some dramatic elements, uh, which you sort of get into. You see that her mother has passed away and that one of her like really good friends growing up, um, has passed away. So it gets sort of into that. Uh, emotional element towards like maybe the last 10, 15 minutes, but most of it is kind of just like this really tense movie of her sort of just dealing with aliens. (laughs) And I I thought it was really good. Uh, Apparently this, I think it played like New York and LA maybe, Um, but they just dropped it on Hulu and uh, not sure why it hasn't got a theatrical release, but there's been a a lot of people. I thought I saw Guillermo del Toro uh, tweet about, loving this movie. Uh, so it's getting a lot of, a lot of traction on the internet. And I think it's, uh, I think it's solid. It's really good. So I, um, I heard about this movie because I was talking to Terrell about new things coming out and he was like, Oh, there's an alien movie coming out. He's like, I'm fucking tired of these alien movies. He, he does not enjoy them. And he's like, but this one on Hulu, maybe I'll like it. And then when you mentioned there's, I, we looked it up on IMDb too. It, it says there's only eight words spoken in the movie. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he must have fucking hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he liked so, it. He did? Oh, shit. Yeah. Maybe he was on an edible too. I don't know. Everybody's I got good energy. I four, as did I, on Letterboxd, the application. Right, right, I don't care about what you gave it on Letterboxd. Like, give me that 12-point scale, yeah. baby. Well, I mean. It's probably a 10. It's a 10. Randy, of course. That's know. 1.67 thumbs, if bitches. You make a movie this effective uh, and this tense uh, and do it pretty much wordless the entire movie, I give it a lot of credit for that. I will say there are parts with the, the alien stuff um, which actually gets really kind of trippy and like pretty cool towards the end. But uh, the whole like house and like the way that they shoot it and everything is so like naturalistic that like when you get sort of the CG and the alien stuff, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit uh, just cause like, you know, the sort of visual aesthetic of like sort of the yeah. naturalistic mm-hmm. and then the, you know, CG didn't mesh 
super well all the time, but, um, like I said, I, I, uh, I think it's quite impressive, uh, filmmaking and the, the house is cool. There's a lot of, um, she's really obsessed with like miniatures. She has like these miniatures of like, sort of like, looks like she's recreating the town potentially that, uh, she lives in. Um, there's a lot of just like really cool production design. Like I said, there's some pretty cool stuff that they do with the aliens and, uh, like I said, you see them quite a bit, which is, uh, pretty cool as well. I mean, if you, uh, if you're willing to take the trip and, uh, you know, can sort of deal with the, uh, I don't know, sort of, like I said, the, the VFX element of it. Um, it's cool. I dig it. All right. Hulu. Yeah. Weird. It landed on Hulu. Like everything you're saying sounds way too interesting for Hulu. Hulu weirdly has a very good selection of movies. They have like stuff that you wouldn't expect on like a big streaming service. I don't know if it's still on there, but the house that Jack built was on there forever. Um, I don't know. They have like really surprising stuff on there sometimes. Yeah, you're right. I remember house Jack built being on there and being like, what the <laughs> yeah. fuck? Who made that call? I think Netflix had Nymphomaniac. I think they did too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back on All there. right. What else you got, son? Yeah, I watched this one a couple of weeks ago and I didn't talk about it last week uh, <gasps> just because of, yeah, we had a, a heavy episode. But um, I watched the new Sebastian Silva movie. Uh, he did a movie called Nasty Baby that came out a while ago that I really enjoyed. Um, he has a new one called Rotting in the Sun that's sort of uh, like a meta sort of fictional movie where Sebastian Silva plays himself uh a version of himself and there is also a person that he meets who's like a social media influencer like tiktok like front-facing camera sort of influencer guy named jordan firstman who is also playing jordan firstman in the movie um and essentially sebastian silva like said he's playing himself he's a director they talk about his movies talk about him being a filmmaker and he's trying to get like his next project uh, he's trying to figure out his next project, but he's also like doing a lot of ketamine, doing a lot of drugs. And, uh, he's very, he sounds very depressive and very just like, sort of like down on himself. And all of his friends are like, you need to like chill out or like stop talking about the suicide stuff. If like, it's, uh, if you're not serious about it. You need to like, stop joking about this. And, uh, one of them, one of his friends says, Hey, you should get away to this, um, this place that I just went to recently. Um, which is a, like a, a gay, like nudist beach. Um, so he wants to go get away and, uh, yeah, he goes to this place and he, uh, he's still kind of like, a you know, he's trying to like go there to like have some fun, I guess, but essentially he just goes there and he's still kind of like mopey and like depressive and doesn't really like want to get into the, uh, the world of the, uh, the nudist beach where there's a lot of male nudity in this movie. There's a lot of unsimulated uh, sexual acts in the movie. Hell um, yeah. 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 A lot of it in the first like 30 minutes or so. And then there's some later on as well, but, uh, he eventually meets this Jordan Firstman character who is aware of Sebastian Silva and his movies. Um, and then Sebastian Silva like looks him up and, um, this Jordan dude is very adamant about them working together. And Sebastian like thinks his, you know, TikTok page and his Instagram is like very cringy and he's like, doesn't want to like fuck with this dude, but this dude keeps wanting him to like 
come party with him. You could tell that he kind of like wants to hook up with him. Um, and essentially they, Sebastian Silva is trying to sell a project to HBO. And so he's like on a zoom with some people from HBO and he's like trying to des- describe like ideas that he has for projects that sound pretty cool. And all of them are like, eh, no, we don't really like this one. We don't really like this idea. So reluctantly he pitches this idea with Jordan Firstman's character. Um, based on the idea that he pitched him. Um, and they're really into it. They're like, Oh yeah. And we got that, uh, that Jordan kid who's like a big, uh, star on social media and whatnot. So they, they say yes. And I don't think he was expecting them to say yes. So eventually he goes back home to Mexico, Chile, something like that. I don't know exactly where his home is, but, uh, he goes back. That's just Silva's from Chile. Chile. Correct. Um, so yeah, he goes back and then eventually uh, invites Jordan back to Chile and they're going to start working on it. And um, I'll stop there because there's some surprises with, within the movie that uh, I'd rather not ruin for people that want to check it out. But it's very, it's a very dark comedic movie. Um, definitely sort of a satire on social media, uh, TikTok, all that type of stuff, but also sort of like just the whole conversation with HBO is very much like kind of making fun of sort of where we are with film and TV and how it's like hard to get stuff sold. So it's a, it's got good satire elements and uh, some really kind of funny, but uh rather dark stuff in it too. But uh, yeah, this is, this is really good. Both really good movies. Excellent. How many, how many out of 12? I think both today are 10 out of 12. Russell. That's pretty good. He's raised the bar today. Yeah. What the hell is going on out here, dude? I don't know, man. Sometimes you watch bad stuff all week and sometimes you watch uh, <laughs> some good things. I will say, I I know we mentioned that I only have two. And I will say, it is. just to get this out there, I did watch the new Christian Petzold film, the one that uh, did Transit and um, did Transit okay. and Phoenix. Transit that I loved a lot. I don't care if it was a movie. Oh, did that hurt? I I didn't hate it, but it was kind of just boring. All right. When Randy's bored. I know. Out of 12? Six. Yeah, probably six. Six, seven. Something like that. (laughs) A Fire, Check It Out by Christian Petzold. Of Wetzel Petzold. Dude. <laughs> it also didn't have my guy Franz Rogowski in it, so he's from Transit. You know the movie you still haven't seen, the one they, with the uh, the thing the the, the Walking Phoenix also has Cleft Lip or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Randy Michael. What boy? I t- he raised the bar today. It's like I don't uh, now. I'm I'm you know. He's got these great things to talk about, and I'm about to talk about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> um, Man, I feel like I'm going to hate that Alien movie now. Like, if you and Terrell liked it, then I got to be the weird one, I'm sure. Can you just be cool, man, and enjoy things? Like, sounds yeah. like it's good. I enjoyed too much. That's what I get flack for. Yeah, but see, but then the stuff that you don't enjoy, you, you're in your head about nah. most of the time. I, I, love the a, time. I love a good Alien film. Sure. Who doesn't love Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about this first. Um, inside number nine, the great British show. 
uh, eighth season. It just came out to the United States uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I believe it, it airs like in March, April, May, somewhere in there um, in the UK, and then we get it several months later. Uh, I, of course, was able to watch this through my BritBox subscription. That's right. I'm back in the game with BritBox, baby. Randy, did you know that I made a an accounting? A, well, it turned into an accounting error, but it was a, a manual user interface error when I purchased an entire year's subscription <laughs> for BritBox uh, to yeah. watch uh, said show. So uh, I paid $100 to watch uh, four hours <laughs> of television. <laughs> Uh, but happy to do it, and also, you know, it's not like I can't uh, fire up some uh, more uh, Pasco and Daniel, or whatever that show was called. You'll win it back in game. Daniel. Was this good? No, dude, gambling. I got to change things up, man. <laughs> okay. I took a I took a bath yesterday. Embarrassing. Episode five of season eight is entitled Three by Three. Now, I wanted to get everybody together to watch this episode. Because these guys are doing, um, you know, what we love uh, in this episode. They aired a talk show, excuse me, a game show. Um, and it was, it just aired probably on BBC Two and um, just aired a game show. And they hired Lee Mack to host the game show. Lee Mack is a, an enormous comedian in Great Britain. And he is on probably one of the biggest uh, game shows in Great Britain called Would Would You Lie to Me? And um, I, I like that show a lot. Lee Mack is one of the captains, along with David Mitchell. David Mitchell, of course, is from Peep Show. And uh, there's been a lot of other things. And these are two titans of British comedy. And uh, Lee, if, so that's you get that stamp of legitimacy when you get a Lee Mack in there because the entire nation knows who Lee Mack is. So the game show is called three by three, where it is uh, three teams uh, that consist of three players per team. And three by three, as we know is nine. And of course, every episode in inside number nine mirrors the number nine somewhere in the episode. So that's where we get there. But uh, the entire point of this episode was just to air the show uh, without telling anyone that it was an inside number nine episode. So um, for 95% of this episode, you are watching a straight game show uh, until the end where something, you know, very non game show like happens. Um, and when I watched this episode, I immediately, you know, uh, you know, told Russ and Oksana that I wanted to watch it and then told Randy, um, and also uh, how to procure this episode, which we we won't talk about because we don't want to be in jail. We bought off a guy on the corner. Thank you so much. Um, now, the other thing to add, and I think is a very important part of this story, is that, Ray, and Randy does not know this, so this is breaking news. We watched this uh, with Jasadi Perkins, uh, East Bay cinematographer, and Terrell Trotty. Uh, from Blu-ray Tuesday and from Horror Boner. Huge British game show fan. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I'm telling you that I was so happy because 
They we were expecting them to come over, but they came over right when yeah, it started. They there so they they caught the whole thing, and I did not tell them anything. I just said they were like, "What? What are you watching?" I said, "We're watching a game show." That's all I gave them. Terrell bought this thing. <laughs> I mean, Randy, he couldn't have bought down harder. He, I mean, hook, line, and sinker. And then at the very end, <laughs> he lost his mind. Jasadi kind of knew what was happening there, and he was able to catch on. But um, apparently Twitter was quite the uh, – I believe it was Twitter at the time. Uh, this may have been pre-X days. So, uh, you know, back in back in a, the brighter past. Um, was ablaze when this episode dropped uh, for everything that's happened. So let's, let's get into it. Um, I – it, it sort of mirrors their their Halloween episode, which um, you know is very ghost watchy. So that's that's you know this type of stuff that we always gravitate towards. And I really thought that this execution uh, was perfect uh, because, like I said, it was a the the legitimacy of bringing in a Lee Mack to host this game show um, was fantastic, and the way that he played it. He plays it like he plays it. He doesn't hint into anything. And the only hints that you get is obviously from the family um, that, you know, the stunt is centered around, which is your the centered family. However, the my upon my second viewing of it, when I was watching it downstairs with you guys, um, you know, you 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 clue in. Obviously, you know, there are telltale signs, but the first time I was watching it. I had no idea where we were going. I figured it was something with the center family, but uh, I thought maybe everybody was in on it. Um, and um, that was not the case, but I thought the execution was perfect. And uh, I don't, I mean, I, I guess this is kind of tricky for people to see. So I, you know, we should probably talk about it, but um, I thought that the stunt at the end, it, it was all perfect. I, I, it was a slow burn, but if you just allow yourself to be patient, it, everything pays off because the timing is very important. And there's there's subtle clues along the way of what direction we're heading. And I think that the motivations are clear and uh, the payoff was good. I thought everything was was nice and neat, yeah, buttoned up. I was kind of jealous. I was disappointed in you, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'll, have to, I'll have to tell you right now. Mm-hmm. Because I think I have enough faith where if you said, hey, let's watch a game show, I would have done it. I do think that the writing was a little um, like Terrell was the perfect audience because he had no idea and he was picking up on it and he was making jokes about it that were like, oh, yeah, that's totally about to happen. You know what I mean? Like, And that's how you write a good. I remember talking to Sam, a uh, listener of the show. He's the one that uh, brought you the plague of the 12 star rating. And he was <laughs> telling me in Scream 5, he thought it was the best scream because it's the only one where he was able to guess who the killers were. And he's, he's like, I think these movies do best when the audience can participate so fully. And he's correct. And it took me a long time to realize that. Like, Shyamalan is telling stories wrong. But they they work for him. So now, I, I don't know if he's happy about being in that corner forever. But I think it would have been so much fun to come down there and be like, oh, we're going to watch a game show. Because, I mean, we watch Family Feud and shit. Yeah. And I would have I bought into it. But just knowing that it was inside number nine immediately it's like okay we're we're i know what we're doing so i'm curious on britbox do they open i feel like the proper way to intro that show would to be to give a little context of like this originally aired on 
So I I, I want to address your point though. Yeah. I I did it that way because of your familiarity with the show. And I know, so I felt like that way, but I felt yeah. like that was the only way for me to do it. Um I didn't want to I understand yes, there pro- there would have been do you think this would have changed your viewpoint of how you view this episode? No, no. I don't think so either. So that's why I I knew that um But that is a special thing to be like, "Oh, I had no idea." Like you only get one of those but, like but again, I want to be clear here, and I'm I just like Terrell bought this thing oh, hook, line, and sinker, and was completely gullible with everything. And just thought he was sitting there like, "Come on, bro!" Like, <laughs> and it, it's funny because he was kind of ignoring him too. Because I wanted to be like, "Josiah, shut the fuck up!" Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, but but that was the thing is like because it was my second, I wanted everybody to like you know be in the moment with the show because like there are subtle moments, yeah, that kind of lead up to everything. Um. So were any of the contestants on the show like actors that people would know about? I mean, I feel like they would have to be non-actors, right? But they yeah. did so well that, yeah, I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm looking at IMDb. None of them have a portrait except for... Uh, the mom? Yeah. The mom was good. Who, who, okay, has been in a lot. Because, you know, that's the thing with found footage. Yeah, 16 things. If you're confronted shows. immediately with somebody who's been on another thing... It kind of it can hurt that immersion immediately. Oh, she was in EastEnders. Okay. Yeah, Peaky Blinders. I mean, those are pretty big, right? Yeah, but she yeah. played Edna the secretary. You know, <laughs> she's a you know background. And um, honestly, you could work that in too, and just be like, oh no, yeah, you know, I've done a. I think, like I said, I think the execution is exactly what you expect out of these guys. I think yeah. it was top notch. Uh, Randy, what do you think? I guess I'm going to be the. Uh... Uh-oh. And that kind of agrees with what Russell said because I felt like I was just watching a scripted game show episode. Yeah. And I didn't get anything out of it, really. Like, it really, like, the problem that I think about is if I watch this as episode five, season eight, it's just, okay, I get it. But if you watch it as something that's kind of presented as, hey, this aired on BBC Two, and then you could, like, show, like, Twitter reacting... For me, as like a found footage fan, that changes it completely. Yeah, and I mean, I yeah. learned that the hard way because I showed a bunch of people Ghost Watch without giving them any context, and they fucking rioted. Like I had people yelling at me, "Why did you put this on? It's fucking boring." And then I, I man, I still regret that because at the end, I told them this was presented as a live broadcast on Halloween, and and everyone, oh, why didn't you tell us that? Yeah. So that's why I'm like, oh, it's it's a tough thing. But then you just got mad at me for telling you. No, I was I was playing that up. I was just saying there was an opportunity you could have lied to me and just been like, hey, well, I, I know because you were the most gullible person I know. Yeah, dude. But I don't, I don't, expo- <laughs> don't want to exploit that. No, please exploit it, especially no, when it's in world protect camera. Protect you. But you know, I I know we've covered other stuff that they've done before. If you're an in world camera fan, just dig through their catalog because they'll randomly pop up and you'll be. Surprised. Well, so you did not appreciate this episode? No, I did. But I think I appreciated it because you told me about the reaction before. So it, yeah. it's almost like when I went to, um, when I took all my very uh, important film theory classes and we would watch a, you know, Birth of a Nation. You don't just cold put on Birth of a Nation for people. You have to tell them about, like, hey, I know the topic and the subject matter here is brutal. Get over it. This movie invented editing as we know for all of Hollywood. Yeah. So this is why, you know, like you need that context and just be like, you know, people watch this 
it was like passive story. Like I'm like, I love that shit. So the way you told me it was fine. Yeah. But I, again, I am gullible and I would have been like, Whoa, dude, what the fuck? I think I would have caught on though. But also like I, I watch British game shows. Oh my God. I watch two. You but, watch cookie network. Well, I watch game I, shows, actually so. the game shows I watch are, are they're, they're actually more like, you know, centered around like, comedy panels because they're all like performers yeah, yeah so it's not really contestant stuff so i, I need to be clear there like hollywood squares right i think that there is a there is a there's i think the divide is getting bigger on sort of the entertainment uh differences of like popular things in britain and popular things here um obviously there's a lot of connective tissue uh, you know, primarily between you know Bake Offs and Gordon Ramsay bullshit, like you know, there's a lot of that similarities. But in terms of like, um, what's popular, I think it's it's very different. Um, I think yeah, it's all about breaking the format too, and I think that's why Family Feud has found such a life on YouTube yeah. because they can lean into like Steve Harvey going off script, which is the only reason you know people are tuning into that, other than like an aging out. Like like an older demographic watching like Wheel of Fortune. I mean, the, the one criticism, and I, I think to to Randy's point <laughs> is like, yes, I do think that the the production value uh, would this maybe be more uh, effective fifteen twenty years ago, maybe, but because the the production and everything seems a little dated. Like the games are pretty nah, dumb. No, I fight back. You know why? Because. It airing on BBC Two, which you were speculating, and to a modern audience now is going to be like I just said, an aging out demographic, like older people, yeah, who will not be privy because there's a familiar, yeah, because that's the thing. It's like there's nothing that's like new, no, in this, and and it's like forcing them to experience something new. Yeah. Also, I mean, fuck, if they're older, maybe they got punked by Ghostwatch too. What if they're like it's fucking Ghostwatch again? <laughs> like that would be great if somebody yeah. just was like completely hated the BBC because a lot of people were mad at them when they aired Ghostwatch and then came back and they're like, well, I only fuck with BBC too. And they punked them again. Yep. And then they took their life. All right. So, uh, <laughs> self delete. We have, we have failed to mention, uh, what the event is in this episode. Um, it's fine. I do. You- no. So what I would like to do is, uh, for the one person that did not enjoy this, uh, for Randy to tell everyone what happens. Why? Why spoil it? I I feel like it's still rewarding, and it's I, kind I of fun because you I, don't you don't know where they're going with it. Do you? Why you have to take the fun away from me? <laughs> no, because you're taking the fun away from everybody else. Who's gonna watch it? This is what I should have done. Difficult under- to watch. Are they gonna pay a hundred dollars to watch it on Britbox? <laughs> is that what it cost for it's a not, year? It's not difficult to watch because I did not drop a bill on Britbox. Yeah, we ripped it and ripped it good. Yeah. When I think it's the only along. thing I texted you when you uh, asked me if I liked it. Yeah. What did you say? I said head exploding was kind of chill. Yep. There you go. All right. Little head pop. All right. Move quickly along so it Didn't won't sink in off. for people. All right. Okay. <laughs> we did that. Now, let's talk about um, the movie uh, from our, our pal over there, Vinegar Syndrome, Zach Carter. Zach Carter, the party starter, known in some circles. Um, that's not true. Six weeks ago, <laughs> that intro <laughs> on July twenty eighth, one fifty nine p.m. 
uh, Zach Carter, the party starter, uh, sent me a message on the Instagram app. Uh, said, I think I just found the perfect movie for you. It's a faux doc about college football starring Charles Durning. Does uh-huh. that tick all your boxes? And then it's a YouTube link. And then he says, note, I have not seen this, and it might be shit. And then he said, uh, they, he found another movie from the director, um, which, uh, based upon this movie, I don't know if I will pursue. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, based, and then Zach said, yeah, he said, uh, it might be shit. I can confirm that is the case. Uh, I forgot about that he had sent this to me. And then, you know, as I, I said earlier in the episode, it kind of, uh, I went back to it, watched it, and, uh, oh, boy. Um, Randy, here's the best way to describe this movie um, and to kind of give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. Andy Richter does a Southern accent. Does that give you? Oh yeah, and, and so and also he is supposed to play a district attorney in the state of Texas, <laughs> and he sounds like he's running a plantation in Southern Georgia. Oh, all right. So there you go. So good, good work there, Andy. All right, you want to do some acting? Mm. Can you read that as like an excited person, <laughs> like you like the movie? <laughs> Football star Barefoot Bobby Briggs of the Austin Steers has been convicted of murder. Will he be allowed to play with his team on Mega Bowl Sunday before he is executed? Whoa, it it won me over with the first sentence and the second one it made me worried. What the fuck is Mega Bowl real? No, nothing is real. Okay, um, cuz there's me- there's oh. nothing real about this movie. <laughs> um it's just it's just it's just kind of it's just misguided. It, it's it, the tone is bizarre. Look at that poster. Um, yeah. The, oh, I have I even said the name of this movie. I don't think I have. <laughs> no. uh, the name of the movie is called Death in Texas. Only two things in life are certain. Uh, this movie is about a um, Charles Durning. <laughs> That bong hit's really getting to you now, dude. Well, I'm, 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 I've got all these screens. I told you, man. The fucking, sc- I can't deal with it. It's too much. It drives me crazy, and my mind gets all scattered because there's, there's so many. Like I'm looking at the same thing twice on two different screens. Why? It's God it's reflecting off your glass. I know. <laughs> and I'm trying to read with sunglasses on. What's that? I'm just, I'm doing this with my ear. Why? a hundred dollar fidget spinner that's oh all i do all day i just take my earbud thing and i just pop the lid and just pop it back because that gives me satisfaction because i'm a fucking freak okay. death in texas is the name of this movie and so i mean that also is another clue to what hunk of shit this is <laughs> so actually I, I did a little bit of investigative journalism on this russell and the, the writer and director of this was a writer on conan Oh, okay. For a brief moment in time. So I think that he was pulling favors for people getting this movie. Because uh, I think he had Andy Richter for about 30 minutes. Oh, he's on it. He's in it. Andy Richter, yeah. He plays oh. the district attorney in Texas. Um, We also have Charles Durning is in here. Uh, Steve Harris plays Barefoot Bobby Briggs. <laughs> Corbin Burnson is in this. Oh I, I Corbin Burnson, I don't think has ever said no to a project. Uh, but here's the real shocker. Billy Ray Cyrus is in this movie <laughs> as a guy who's working at like a, a, a fry shop 
he's he's like a, a fucking like milkshake stand in Texas. Um, all right, there's not a ton to talk about this movie, but essentially, it's like uh, Steve Harris plays barefoot Bobby Briggs, who was this uh, football star. Um, the Austin Steers are technically supposed to be, you know, like an NFL team. The Mega Bowl is supposed to be the Super Bowl, and uh, he was convicted of murder. And uh, he was supposed to be the star wide receiver. The dude's like five foot nine, two hundred pounds. There's no, in no <laughs> universe is he a wide receiver. But here's the thing that drove me crazy: it's like you know his nickname is Barefoot Bobby Briggs because he plays barefoot. Barefoot. I was hoping. Oh my. And it shows him barefoot. The football scenes are abysmal. Um, (laughs) Nothing, nothing is good. What what was that movie we watched where they're like, do they know what football is? Was it Iron uh, Wildcats? No, I always say Wildcats. (laughs) It's a wolf or something, right? Wolfpack. Wolfpack. I always say wild. That's the Goldie Hawn movie. (laughs) I think it is Wolfpack, right? Isn't that correct? I think so. I think that's right. Axon, is that right? Yes. Okay. okay good. Dude, that's a good movie. Yeah. I, Horrible football, but that makes it even doing. better. That movie's but uh, that movie's wild. <laughs> this movie, dude, it sounds like they break all the in-world camera rules that matter. Like, don't make up shit like Mega Bowl. Because why? Charles Durning's good because Charles Durning's good in everything. The, 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 the problem with this is the tone because, like, it combines slapsticky oh, humor. Oh, I Yep. With, I mean, with political stuff. What? <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you at the end. At the end, here's the thing. They kill him. <laughs> they He gets electrocuted. Bigfoot? But, but he gets, he gets, uh, they, 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 they furlough him out of prison. They get him out. And then he plays in the Super Bowl, but they still. Mega, the Mega Bowl. The, the Mega Bowl. But they still convict him. And so the next day after playing in the Mega Bowl, he's electrocuted. <laughs> But the way they do it, they don't show it. They we see like a room and we hear a radio sound. It's so terrible. But they play it. They that's when the movie's just too serious, and then the movie just ends. He dies, and it ends. And I'm thankful that I don't have to sit through this anymore. But it's just it's a mess. It's not good. I think it went straight to video, and it should went straight to hell. <laughs> Susan Egan's in it. I like her. Dude, that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. So Zach, thanks. <laughs> Here's the thing. When when Zach gives you a fucking warning, heed it. Like he he's our brother and he will wade through shit. Yeah. And he will find the gems out there. I, I got no but, problem. Hey, you know, it's it's it was great. My God, dude. That yeah. Ugh. It really did sound in your Q zone, though. But man, it just it just was not. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> All right, now to shift tone here. Um, I watched a little movie, and uh, this little movie is a. Uh... Dude, what's your problem today? Uh, I watched it a little movie. <laughs> You're, you're making me want to take another date, dude. I'm sorry, dude. I see you're fidgeting out of control right now. I'm sorry. I don't know. Should I turn off the TV? I don't know. Y'all think I'm Cheech Marin over here. <laughs> you're more like Billabong, dude. Randy, did you get that vape pull on Mike? Did you hear that? <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, was a, so some good Foley work for you. Uh, this is a horror documentary because this is some real deal stuff. This is a movie. Randy, have you heard about this movie called The Unbinding? No, looking it up right now. Okay. Guys, I'm going to be very serious. I'm excited, dude. Here's the deal. Does it suck? 
I'm going to tell you right it now. Better not. I'm going to tell you right now. This this hits upon something that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is voodoo. Wildcats. And then <laughs> here's the thing, man. You know, voodoo. <laughs> I almost missed that. <laughs> I don't go looking for trouble. Is what I say. You know, that's that's a it, that's a patented Clark. <laughs> yeah. You would put that on the back of my tombstone, oh my which you'll God. be able to see very shortly. Uh, don't go, Clark Little, don't go looking for trouble. Guess what, Russell? What? You're going to find it. <laughs> and that's what happens in this movie. So, um, yeah, all right, can you pull it up? I'm just going to look at your screen, please. Thank you. Uh, go to the top, please. Uh, yeah, let me, let me, let's read it. So hit the read all there for me. <laughs> After finding a strange statue in the Catskill Mountains, hikers become the target of chilling paranormal phenomena. As the activity escalates, occult researchers Greg and Dana Newkirk are called to uncover the truth behind the haunted artifact. So here's what happens. Wait, did you say occult researchers? Occult. Okay, I was confused. Occult. Occult. I was coughing, but you took me out of it with that. Thank you so much. Um, so here's what happens. Randy, these two nerds are walking through the mountains in the Catskill Mountains, and they find an effigy on the ground. And uh it it's a little wooden statue, and it has a uh a little noose around its neck, oh and God. its eyes are filled with are filled with nails. <laughs> so any person who has any sense whatsoever would not touch that thing. And would go about their day. Well, these two nerds uh, took it with them. And one guy brought it to his house and left it there. And then weird stuff it, stuff started happening in his house. And so the other guy uh, made a burner account and went on Reddit and made this long post about, hey, we were hiking in the woods. We found this thing. My friend brought it home. And weird shit's happening. And so then they reach out. Uh, to Greg and Dana Newkirk, and uh, the story goes from there. So um, what this is, is it's basically, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they produced this thing because the director of this documentary uh, was the former um, camera operator uh, for their show called Hellier. Uh, so basically they're like, um, I wouldn't even, th- to call them paranormal investigators is not correct, but they deal, she can, she is a witch. And so she, she teaches the art of witch, witchery. I don't even know. You understand what I'm saying? Um, Witchcraft. Thank you. Thank you. Witchery is not what I wanted to call it. Some people call it witchcraft. Uh, but in my neck of the woods, witchery is what we refer to it as Russell. Um, and he, they also have a museum uh, for all their haunted artifacts. And this is what they do. And so when people are in trouble, they're going to help them. And so they did help this guy, and they brought this haunted artifact into their home. And then guess what? Weird shit started happening. Um, I had, I would say I had a blast with this documentary. It made me very scared because this stuff is terrifying to me because I think it's real. Um, and also there is, there's evidence uh they there's recorded evidence in this of this little totem uh moving on its own um yeah it's, so not, it's not a faux dog oh no well, where did oh you no. watch it 
this is a straight VOD rental. Okay. I believe six ninety nine USD. Yeah. Okay, tight. Yeah, I want to watch it. It sounds um, good. It looks very cinematic. That's why I'm like, are we doing it, a photo thing? It, well, here's the thing. We we're, we're on the move because um, you know we we have to do an act uh, to end this thing, and that that is all caught on camera. Um, and uh, also, dude, they do something. I can't, I'm off the top of my head, I can't remember the name of the method that they use to communicate to this uh, demon inside this little wooden statue. Ouija board. No, it's a, it's the something method uh, where Spirit she, writing. she shut the fuck up. <laughs> Tarot cards. Where they're, they're, in, they're in like a holiday inn in like upstate New Clamping. York. And they are talking to this demon in this holiday inn. Reddit. And it's just more examples of like what is going on in these hotel rooms. <laughs> because like they, you know, they, they essentially had a seance, but it was wild to see on camera because she she is not communicating with the room. And there are two other guys in the room, right? Yeah. She has a blindfold on and she has headphones on, but she is she is talking to them through the demon. She's basically hearing. She's, she's talking. Medium, yeah. She, yeah, she's reporting. And so they're she's talking. Rep- ba- it's great. It's great. She's like, yeah, he okay. is screaming at me. I got it. I got to tell you. You are making this sound incredible. It's great. I'm a little worried that you're just too high right now. You'll watch you're, it right now. I, you're selling this movie and I really want to watch it, but I'm like, is, am I talking to the rambling? When, I, the when I tell you this is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. No, it's really good. It looks cool. Um, How did you find it? It just popped up on like iTunes or something. That's correct. Okay, tight. That's correct. Uh, and I'm also interested in their show Hellier, but the thing is, is like this stuff is like I, I, I don't mess with this stuff at all. I'll watch it from afar, and that's as, as close as I want to get near it. Yeah, because like when I, I can't, I don't want to mess with that stuff. That's why Incantation is a great found footage movie. I just, you know, came for you where you live. You go looking for trouble, you're gonna find it. Randy, you get it right. You don't mess with that voodoo. Not really, no. But I, I don't <laughs> know if I if I buy it as much as you do. Oh, dude. The little Catholic boy inside of you doesn't it doesn't scare you? It scares me. Hell is no, real, I got, dude. I got that out, dude. Nah, it's still there. <laughs> Clean. All right. Do you think it's a found footage fan thing or just a horror movie fan thing or a documentary fan? I thing? think it's both. Um, now there are a lot of reviews uh, where people are bored to tears. Uh, these people have uh, what I call tapioca brains okay um and there's nothing inside of it these are stupid people yeah this is this is a this is a great uh little documentary because it's just it's 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 a living document of something that happened um that was uh, of great consequence in these people's lives and uh, i think that you know to able to capture that on camera is cool yeah and um it's also also I'll say this, and this is, I'm not spoiling anything. Oh my God. A little God. tease, a little, a little further tease. Um, Oksana Valerianova Osanchi, the demon is a Ukrainian witch. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I've, the only one I've heard of is Baba Yaga. So. <laughs> only John Wick? Whoa, dude. Oh. What was the character in John Wick we hated? Nobody. Oh yeah, nobody. Brandon, did you ever see John Wick Seven? What? What's the new one? <laughs> no, I think I've only I seen see the first the, one. I gotta see the Equalizer, dude. Yeah, I heard. And the three nobody's gonna see 
uh, The Expendables 4. Oh, dude, no. I know. He burned me on that, man. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, fuck off. <laughs> Sly. <laughs> All, All right. right. Uh, what's this movie called? The Unbinding. Uh, you know what? You know what? 11 stars. 11 or 1.83 thumbs. At a nice time. I think every it's it's a nice story. They did a nice thing here. 11 stars. Or 3.67 on a four-star rating. I know. That's pretty it's really high. All right. Oh, dude, we are we are cruising, dude. All right. I made it out to the theater. I was very conflicted about this. Um there, I haven't been out in like two weeks and then I wasn't feeling good. And I'm like, I'm getting better. I could do it. And it was pretty alluring to know that I was going out to see a movie. I didn't even know the title to. There's just a horror movie that was playing one night. It's don't like, don't act like you ain't been there before. I know, but it's always fun. And then I remember walking in and I'm like, wait, what is the movie we're watching? And um, Oksana, what was the title? Shaky Shivers. And I remember we're walking. I'm literally like feet, like 10 feet away from entering the theater. I'm like, wait, shaky shivers. <laughs> and I, I felt my first um, moment of regret. <coughs> it just, I don't know what I would, what do you imagine? Shaky shivers. When you hear that name. Uh, something I will not say. Yeah, right. But why? Like, is there a genre or like, don't look at it. Don't. No, oh, I, I, I know about this movie. How'd you know? Because I look, I look at the trades. I know. I don't. I don't. I really don't. That's why I rely on everybody recommending And by trades, things. I mean showtimes at my local Cinemark Theater. All right. Well, here we go over to IMDb. Two young women find themselves in an abandoned camp in the woods with a book of magical spells surrounded by classic monsters in this comedic send-up of 80s horror films. I mean, I, something says, let me try to sell a movie more than that. You know, it's funny. This film... I uh, we went on a little ride there, and I could feel the pulse of how uh, Terrell was into it, and when he wasn't into it, I think by the time he was not into it, he went, "Oh my god!" And you, he was very um, vocal about uh, flipping on this film. I don't think Oksana, Oksana, did you like it? Um, it was okay. Like the the word that comes to mind is like cute, but not in a way that I like. Yeah. So here, let me um. I want to paint a picture here because there's there's a problem with this movie and it's kind of a bummer. Uh, we open and uh, there are two girls in a car. It's parked. It looks like an older car. They're in a remote area, which instantly might make you think of like Night of the Creeps or like a more classic horror setting, like Makeout Ridge. But, you know, it's two girls like modern. OK, well, no, they're friends. And we slowly learn that one of them thinks they might be a werewolf. So they're out there and they're waiting for the moon to turn. Ginger snaps. But. Now, I was cringing like a fucking bitch. I was covering my eyes, and I know I'm the only person who's ever watched this movie and done it. But they played the first joke is that uh, um, one of the ladies, she produces a very large gun, uh, a revolver out of her bag to put the werewolf down, need be. And it looked real. A pistol? Yeah, and You're taking uh, out a werewolf with a pistol—that's the classic way you do it. A forty-five. Unfortunately, silver they bullet. didn't know about the silver bullet part. Oh well. So the joke that preceded it was that she took out some silver nail polish and started painting the, the bullets. And I'm like, that's not a bad joke. I didn't laugh, but I'm like, I I get it. I've never thought of that before. But the way this lady was waving around the gun, 
And, you know, ever since I pointed a gun at Clark and he freaked out because of my trigger discipline, I, uh, I've always been hyper aware of the finger placement. And I couldn't watch it, dude. I was just like, stop. They're right next to each other in the cab. And she's like flinging this gun around. And it was killing me. And I oh. know Oxandro were like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, it's one of those things where in a horror movie, if people are driving in a car, like, um, what was that um, uh, Russell Crowe movie? Unhinged? Yes. Dude, the whole time people were in cars, I was like, I was ready to like flinch. I was just like uh, in my seat, like, oh, God, there's going to be a car wreck. And I was doing the same thing here. Um, so, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. Uh, ultimately, oh, man, I don't even know what I would give this movie. Well, anyway, so we start off strong and then we linger in this cab for a long time. And I only say cab. It's front. There's no in, uh, divider in the front seat. And we're just in here for a long time. And it feels oh, it's, like it's a bench seat. Yeah. Oh, and it, I it, love a bench dude, right? seat. Oh. It, it felt very classic. And the thing is, it felt like a joke that was working and a moment that was working. And then it just wouldn't end. And we kept going and we kept going and we kept going. And then all of a sudden um, they fall asleep. They're eating food. They wake up and they're like, hey, it's the full moon's out and you didn't turn. So I guess we're good. And, you know, she's handcuffed herself to the steering wheel. They're fuzzy handcuffs because she took them from her parents, who she calls nasty. And then... Oh, what a fun joke. I know. I It's all... It's Horny all, parents. It's very um, low-hanging fruit. Sure. But you know what? The girls are good. And that's a thing that runs through this whole movie. In fact, there's a... Um, uh, they work at an ice cream shop. And the owner, Clark, you would love this man. Fuck yeah. He's a giant, very kind soul. He's got a deep voice. He's like um, he's like our boy from uh, um, House of the Devil. Well, why can't I think of his name? We talked to uh, Tim Noonan. Noonan. He's like Noonan, oh. but like not creepy. So he actually, he feels like the dude you'd want to come save. You. Noonan's not creepy. Noonan's fucking creepy. Noonan fucks. No, that's dude. why he's good in House of the Devil. Because he's kind of scary. Noonan's out there slinging dick. <laughs> so the problem is that, uh, you know, to end that scene, a, a werewolf pops up. He's in a spirit shop mask and he immediately ends up on the wrong side of that gun. And uh, our lead turns around and notices that her friend also has changed into a werewolf. Now, at this point, I didn't know that this was going to be a, a romp through 80s classic monsters, which is already weird because these are more 20s monsters. But I was like, oh, no. What are we going to do? Like, it was kind of interesting because we have a werewolf and blah, blah, but it's immediately undone. We go back in time. We learn there's a uh, pigeon lady, like from Home Alone 2, who puts a curse on her. That's how she turns into a werewolf. Also, this movie is Beavis and Butthead. Both of the lead girls are bad people. And I I normally don't do very well with that, like Broad City or like Workaholics. Like it Broad City. It broad, takes a while city. to get on that page where you're rooting for people who are constantly bad or just rude yeah. and we're dealing with that but again the film looks beautiful the acting is good the special effects are strong the story could have been interesting you you want to know what hurt this movie mm. there's like three moments that are just poorly like they ruin the whole tone because they're so quirky and one of them so uh in in the description here they talk about oh they have a magic book what it is, is one of them dated a dude who was into Dungeon Dragons. I, I promise you, I, this is not a negative review because I felt like they were attacking me. 
but they they got it wrong. I'll just say that. And there we so go. So there's there's <laughs> your smoking there's a gun. Three ring binder that is a monster manual. This is very classic and true to form. So I'm like, oh, maybe somebody knew what was going on. Number. Except in the book, and they actually make a very nerdy joke about the format, the layout being incorrect. Because they find it's a incantation to reverse the werewolf transformation. Where I'm gonna get in the weeds here. It's fine, ignore me for a minute. Monster manuals don't read that way and they don't work for movies because guess what? They're very rule oriented. So what they would be like is, oh, it's going to take you 10 rounds to cast this and then you got to roll a D4 and see how long it will. Like this shit doesn't translate into real life. You can't look up, how do I turn into a vampire in the fucking monster manual? Yet in this movie, you could. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. So they're reading what they think is the uh, the spell, the uh, verbal component for this ritual. And uh, they didn't notice the wiggly line that pointed down to the bottom. Instead, they read, they read one to raise the dead. And their werewolf friend who they shot in the face comes to life as a zombie. And there's a moment where she's running away from him and there's a wide <laughs> shot and there's, she's skipping around, dancing, doing turns. And the zombie's just like, ooh. And it made me think, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> this movie is working. And if you took a serious tone and maybe uh, balanced out the comedy a little bit, it'd be really good. But my God, man, they just had no, they had no um, intuition when it came to the pacing or how to unfold the story. So at the end of the day, what I think is mostly, I think is 90% a movie that works. That 10% has fucking kneecapped it. And if you go on Letterboxd, there are people who are like, it's a shame to think two quirky moments have ruined this movie. But they really did. Well, you know what, man? It's probably studio stuff. I don't know. It, this is a pre. This is a COVID movie. Um, one of the this guys is a COVID movie. Yeah, and the dude who made it is an actor from Tokyo Drift. I know. I was waiting for you to talk about my yeah. boy Han. He makes an appearance in the movie as the ex boyfriend who is a D and D fan, and he did a thing that made me so embarrassed to be upset about. But he appears again. Spoiler, I guess. He shows up at the very end of the movie. And the way they intro him is he rolls a couple of die on the ice cream shop table on the counter. And it's it's like a D20 and a D8. I don't know why I remember that detail. But they're these type of dice. They're expensive metal dice. Expense. And he fucking has his little, like, very uh, fucking Kevin Smith moment. Like, that's what it felt like to me. And He can't fly on an airplane because he's too fat? No, no, Kevin Smith is a raisin now, but I remember I'm, that. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, no, he rolls his dice, has a little quirky moment, and leaves. And in the frame, you can see the dice on the counter. And I'm just like, none of this movie is authentic. <laughs> That's like, I'm like, everything felt like an outsider trying to make an in-joke, but they're never... Okay, I'm... That's yeah, I'm security. Um, I no, it was just like it's you know we're, we look at found footage so much you can't help but like no, I got you. The I, craft I is married, and I'm just like, yeah. this movie worked, but like meddling from the director, I I'm not, I won't put his name out there. Y'all can look him up if you want. And unfortunately, I think I'm gonna have to give it like a I don't know, point six seven thumbs or something, which is four it out of don't, twelve. Don't do the math. They could look it up. I'll put oh. the chart online. Y'all do your own fucking. I homework. knew that you were gonna go deep in the weeds <laughs> in your score as soon as you pulled up the chart. We need it on the wall. We gotta have we it do. framed on the wall. Oh yeah. Oh wait a minute. Are you? You're freaking bro, me out. What? Merch. <laughs> we print the chartist don't, merch talk, baby don't talk about it. again the I, overlook that's it the overlook hour and we got the chart here's the thing how that's how we move them shirts baby. 
I like this. You got to keep smoking whatever you had earlier. Smoking in the boys' room. Um, then I jumped onto Tubi. Uh, again, me and Oksana were hanging out one day. We're like, what should we watch? We should put on something. And we jumped on Tubi. I had an idea. And then I noticed that our, our former guest uh, from God, what episode was that? When did we when did we have um, Angie and Paul on? It's a long, a long Holy time shit, ago. Holy shit, that was the Dig- Disney Dungeon. Um. Oh, anyway, I, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <coughs> it, it definitely was the Disney Dungeon. Um, I know. Here's how I know this. It was twenty. Hold on. <laughs> I was in. I was still into. I thought beer was cool. Oh, I because do I was that. at because I was at uh, Pliny the. Uh, younger release younger and i was listening and i think it was the first time uh 20 it had been like 20 2017 2017 all right oksana you got it <laughs> i'm still looking or 20 oh maybe 2018 but all yeah right. a long time ago well hit us with it um when you find it Anyway, we've we've had the pair on before. What is their production company called? Also, Randy, edit that to where it sounds like I got it immediately. Thank you so much. <laughs> A- AP Productions. Yeah. Um, uh, operating out of Modesto. And uh, yeah, we threw it on. We're like, let's support them. Also, I have this critique. And again, you know what? I know they're homies. I'm going to be fucking critical here. I always said, you know, they're selling the sizzle. But there's no steak here. And what I mean is that they always have these like voluptuous women. And I'm like, but you don't deliver on the nudity. And then Oksana immediately corrected me. She's like, what are you talking about? Their first film had male nudity into it. And our former third chair had brought his mother over for the first time to watch a movie with us. And I remember after he was like, why is this always happening? (laughs) Male nudity whenever I try to bring my mom into a movie. So I I was corrected before the movie. When his even mom's started. in a dick. I think it's more. Watching then how it. did he get it? Yeah, but he wasn't in the room when she saw it the other time. You don't know their past, <laughs> eh? I guess he wasn't a twinkle in the. Could eye. have been a Back to the Future situation. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow! You know? Yeah, you're right. Um. So yeah, don't worry. There's there's nudity. It's not. Hmm. It's not quantity, but it's duration. <laughs> Oh. So there are there are a couple of girls who get topless. I have neither. I know I know that this is very important to Clark, so I thought I would share it with all of you. I do want to put a highlight though that they they got our girl Kansas Bowling in there, and oh, what Ginger Lynn the production Ginger Lynn is in there too. She's one of the people that is nude. Well, she's she's been nude a long time. Oh yeah, and she's nude a long time in this. She's doing a good job. I <laughs> here's the thing. This is one of those movies that I I feel like. If you've seen any of the AP production stuff, they they feel a little trauma to me. Like they operate in the genre space, but they're not really pushing any boundaries. They kind of are like doing a nostalgia thing. And it's kind of like a slasher where it's just, we're just going through the beats. I used to like that a lot. I don't anymore. But I will say um, Kansas Bowling, who I, I don't think gets enough credit. She really shines in here. And it almost feels like she has like a three-dimensional character against a bunch of like cardboard cutouts. And I don't mean that as a critique of the other actors, but just kind of like the environment they're in. Like it didn't, it wasn't demanding of them, but she went above and beyond. Um, so yeah, if you're into that, also we get the uh, director of Pool Party Massacre. He's doing a full-blown character in this. So if that's your cup of tea, check it out. It's on Tubi. Help him out. Um, 
then on Tubi, I finally caught Clark. That was you being critical? That was uh, that was me being quick because I looked at the time and I don't want this episode to be on me. Um, I'm moving. You're quick. doing. You're doing fine. You're doing great. I know. Um, Randy, well, give me some you. positive reinforcement. Yeah, Randy, I need it. Oh yeah, it's good. We still got like half an hour. <laughs> it's true. Take your time. You know, Randy's face was saying, "I'm gonna be mean right here," and then he he, he curveballed me. I I fucking you got me, Randy. Good job. Let's see because he's not he's not living room, Randy. Oh, he's, I get it. He's in a more secure place today. Yeah, he's more attentive in that room. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's right. Nurturing. So, uh, Clark was in the kitchen. Clark was in the kitchen. I know. I, I didn't know what melody to take up there, so I abandoned it. it and uh, he had headphones on, so I was like, hey, Clark, what's up? And then he didn't say anything. I'm like, hey, dude, uh, you want to? And then he turned to me. He's like, uh, what? And he gave me that look like you're bothering me, and he pulled out an airbud. This did not and happen. <laughs> This situation did not happen at all. Airbud, what are they called? Airpod. Airpod. He didn't pull a dog out of his ear. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> it was football Saturday. You know the drill. I, and then you looked so fatigued with me already. And I was like, hey, dude, I was just thinking maybe you want to watch a movie. I know it was Saturday morning. You know, I do D&D that day. Um, and I'm like, yeah, there's this movie. And I knew I was like, you know, it's got kind of an edgelord vibe to it. And it's got some political stuff. And it's a comedy. And it's on Tubi. And it was recommended to me by a, by a fan, so we should do it. And you're like, mm, when are we watching it? And I think I we settled on 10.30 a.m. A reasonable ask. Yeah, of course. any reasonable person. I know. That, dude, sh- I know. A schedule. Anybody who uh, parties with us know that we like to show up uh, late. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how else to put it. Yeah, and you're the host at yeah, the same time. Yeah, I know. It's it's a, it's a great combination. It's a tricky geography to navigate. So what I'm talking about, 2023's <coughs> Caviar. Um, oh, my God. I can't even say that name. How do you say that? Uh, Antigua. Antigone. Antigone. Yeah. God, that name is good. Oh, and immediately when it popped up, we both started laughing. Um, Antigone Corday. Yeah. Antigone Corday is an aspiring social media influencer. She is mourning the recent death of her brother, Jeremiah, a well-known pundit and voice for progressive causes. Soon, she receives a mysterious package in the mail, a pre-recorded video of Jeremiah. He claims to have uncovered a conspiracy that will throw her worldview and the fate of the planet into question. Now, hold on. Wait, he's a pundit and voice for for progressive causes? Correct. I totally, you know, I felt like they were saying that, but... Everything on screen was saying the reverse. No, it was both. They were dipping in both. This is a very nuanced film, Russell. There's a lot going there on. There is a here. lot going on. And this is a highly misunderstood film. Yeah, just check letterbox. I don't <laughs> Yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely were like, is this gonna be another one that makes people mad that we even talked about it? And at the end of the day, I think um Which is only people who don't look into it. Because honestly, there's not enough there. And the stuff that was there, like, okay, let's, um, very briefly, the main problem I think people have with this is that AI is helping to fuel a uh, visual and audio spectrum of, like, political figures. This movie is AI City. Dude, there's a Zoom call with AOC that I'm sure AOC Dude. still doesn't know about. <laughs> and, it, you know, it's the thing of, like, um, like Kurt Metzger and... Uh, Who's he? I don't, it's wrong that Kyle I Kyle Dunnigan. Kyle Dunnigan. We saw him live. I know. It's like, it's and, not that level of like wacky and clearly this is AI, but 
you can tell, right? I mean, it's pretty good, but I don't think anybody went to them and was like, oh my God, I can't believe AOC agreed to do this. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's the taboo. But honestly, I feel like they should have hit that note harder. I like how they did it. Me too. I, I like, did like it. I like this movie. And I was so-so on it until the ending. Okay. When it tied everything together. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's get there. Um, I know. So we open up and Antigone, you know, in here she, it says she's an aspiring social media influencer. I don't know if her character would have said that in the beginning. She opens up by taking over her brother's channel. To I think say, she, she pretty much did say that. I think she wanted to take it. I don't know. I'm, again... To me, it read as like, I have to do this to let everybody know my brother has died in a car accident. And um, now we're kind of living in YouTube. So I know this is right in my cue zone. This is a film that's shot cinematically, but in a frame for YouTube, which is, you know, uncinematic to most people. Like Randy would fucking hate this shit. But if you're a fan of YouTube cinema, you're going to fucking pull your hair out when you watch this because it's like, imagine if Wes Anderson were evil and he were on YouTube, the fucking like, I don't know what you call it. It's not like set decoration. It's more like the, uh, the, the wallpaper aesthetic to the crop you do on your vertical video. It's, it's so unlike YouTube. Like there's one um, conversation they're having with a, another pundit and his shit Clark was like, I hate this background. And I'm like, I've seen a lot of YouTube. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. Like it was so, it was it, so masterfully anti YouTube while being, it was a tiled background with a uh, very uniform shapes, but randomly colored. It was like, it, it looked Brandy. It looked like the bathroom at a BART station. And what he's referring to is just what was behind the, the host. Yeah, but like in the frame of the frame, there was also like a moving diagonal, just a lettering of the title of the show. And it was like red, white and blue. And it was just slowly crawling. And it was just like the worst fucking framing. But it was so strategically designed to be unappealing. Yeah. Like <clears throat> that's kind of the movie. And, and that is 100 percent the movie. It's like there's a lot of craft that went into making a repulsive piece of art. But at the, you know, in the center of it, we have, um, what's it? Uh, Betsy Brown, yeah. right? She's, she's great. And all the acting is great, but they're all like kind of this insidious plot to make, uh, <laughs> I don't know, to get Fauci to do an illegal operation or to have, um, like there's one part where there's a visual montage of George Bush and he, it's it's him talking, and you can tell it's an AI. I think what he was saying might have been real, but they they fit it through an AI anyway. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it was all fake, but the the visuals were like a 1920s cartoon mashed up with 9/11 footage, and it's like oh, <laughs> like I the reaction this is trying to elicit from you felt something like um I don't know like a shit post on Reddit meets Michael Haneke. Like it was really trying to hurt you at the same time, but also be like, why are you taking it seriously? Like you almost expect a like Pepe meme to pop up and be like, well, you mad bro or something. Yeah. That's the vibe of the movie. And then there's also, there's a moment that I thought was so brilliant in the way that it tortured me. Um, Betsy Brown, uh, 
what, what is her character name? We should be more professional. We've been doing this show for Antigone a long time. Corday. Antigone Corday. It's a it's a scary name. Antigone. She goes to her brother's apartment. Antigone. Let me set this up properly. Uh, her brother was a big deal, and she does a couple of like interviews on YouTube. And somebody reaches out to her, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're the agency. We had your brother. He had a book coming out. We have other uh, opportunities for you if you'd like to be a part of it. We thought you were really good on that show." And she's like, "Oh yeah, I'd love it. I could do this immediately. Whatever." And I believe that's how she gets the AOC interview too. But she's talking to this guy, and they're like, "All right." And then she leaves, and she goes to her brother's apartment. And when she arrives, the the doorknob has been broken off the frame. And she's like, oh, my God, somebody's broken in. And she pushes the door open and the guy's in there that she just talked to. And he turns around and he goes, oh, oh, my God. Um, I got a phone call that your brother's apartment had been broken into. So I showed up and I just wanted to make sure that everything was where it should be. And um, it is. Everything's fine. But um, go ahead and take a look. I mean, call me if anything's out of order. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't call the police. I didn't need to. And immediately, I mean, visually, he's got a laptop under his arm. And, I mean, he's caught red-handed. But they begin to engage in this thing that you would it would only make sense if you've watched any long-form, unedited kind of political thing. Like, if you've ever watched the Supreme Court, if you've ever watched a Congress hearing, if you've ever watched these, like, pomp and circumstance bureaucratic rituals where everybody knows what we're here for. And there's maybe one topic, but we just got to wait three and a half hours to get there. And everybody's going to be polite, at least back in the day. Now it's fucking, you know, it's streets of rage out there. But they engage in this long dance of like pleasantries. And she's like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to startle you. Like she's apologizing to the dude who's in this clear crime scene and probably committed it. And she's like, okay, I'll call you. And she goes in there immediately. Like when they break sight, she starts looking through and she goes, oh, my brother's laptop gone. So she runs outside and knocks on his window. He slowly rolls down the window and he's like, oh, hey, uh, you startled me. And she's like, oh, I apologize. But I was in the apartment and I noticed my brother's laptop is gone. He's like, oh, that's a shame. I mean, are you sure it's gone? I would, I would keep looking. I mean, I didn't notice anything out of order. And he, uh, she's like, well, yeah. And it, it, I'm I'm so embarrassed for even saying this, but it looks just like the laptop next to you. And he stares at her with eyes of how dare you engage in this. And I know we have to see it through. And he goes, oh, that's interesting. I promise you that's mine. And she's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm sorry. But can you open your bag? And again, I'm being quick here. This takes a long time. No, this goes on for a long time. And it's punishing. And I'm aware it's it's a perfect example of, you know, the way politics plays out. And I think we're in that stranger than fiction territory where to make your point, you had to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, because the rest of the movies, you know, AOC doesn't leave the Zoom call because she's spying on you. Hey, that shit is funny it's- when the stop motion owls show up. It's like, oh, what are we doing? Twin Peaks now when there are UFOs floating over your house and your your dad, who is the the one whose uh, faculties are fading, is the only person who's pointing out. Why isn't anybody talking about this? It really makes a strong point in satire, and um, I just I don't think people are ready for it. But if you are, check it out. I, also, it's found footage. It's all in world camera. So if if that floats your boat, watch it. I very much enjoyed this. And you missed that whole big long. Part I'll go of, back about the laptop. I'll go back because the ending was glorious yeah glorious 
Randy, here's what I'll say. <laughs> it's an acid trip, dude. The world is headed to shit, and we are in seventh gear. All right, we're we are cruising along, and everything is crazy. This movie's crazy, and it's a perfect marriage because it is it is just exploiting of of how ridiculous everything is, and uh, you know, ch- check your check your hat at the door, friend. All right, be colorblind <laughs> going into this one. All right, what just, do you- it's it's absurd. It's absurd, and it's just I, I I I I I I had a great time. This is a. All right, he's dancing. His I'll give out. it a nine out of twelve. Okay, um, <laughs> you know I, again I think the problem is I heard there was a new um, social study going on right, where they had taken a um long form math question, you know, like one, uh, word problem and they put in political parties. So say you got one and it's like, Oh, you know, the farmer, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of it, it, the correct answer would mean that Republicans were correct in this scenario on a like pop quiz. Yeah. And they found that even professors, teachers, like people who know math will purposefully get it wrong. Like the idea, like the budding up against an ideology is so strong. That you would get a question wrong in a, like a math, like where the answer is undeniable. And I think that's what these films go up against. It's like, dude, yet people just aren't even going to give it a shot. And on top of that, it's a tough shot to take. Yeah. I think we were the perfect crowd for this. Oh, yeah. It's so weird, man. It's micro budget, avant garde, political comedy. The acting is great. But it's absurd, too. It's absurd, and also the the anti Alex Jones character that oh, they have. Yeah, thank you for mentioning. I that. could not have enjoyed that more, Randy. This little goblin that they got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh well. The thing is, um, <laughs> Clark a while ago showed me a uh, Alex Jones parody that Colbert did, and Doug Buckman. The problem is that when you try to fucking make fun of Alex Jones, it doesn't work. Yeah, because he's a. They don't get it that people like me enjoy Alex Jones because he's fucking funny and he's a goof. And when you try to like make it's, a parody of it, he's a wrestling heel. Yeah. It's like he's a cartoon character and you're trying to make a cartoon character to weaponize your opinion against him. That's the wrong way to do it. This movie, Caviar, they did it correct. They had some old, like, effeminate uncle character being with, like, <laughs> with Larry Fessenden hair. Dude. And I, I just, I'm like, dude, that's how you make fun of Alex Jones. Just completely like, it's the complete opposite. They did a great job with that. Hats off. Also, um, he, it, it, what was, he had the, like the ring collars. Oh, dude. He had a, he had a thick uh, rim around one of his shirt collars. And but it was like, on the, uh, it was on the arms too. Yeah. And you're like, what is Those that? Those shirts <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Again, yes. that this movie's on Tubi too. So if you're feeling a little weird one day, if you got to hit acid lying around, go ahead. I mean, honestly, like this is this is the real deal satire shit. And um, I don't know, man. I I like stuff that uh, you know pokes at people, and uh, that's what we're doing. I think that that is uh, exclusively the projects that Betsy Brown chooses. I know. I'm like, it's kind of wild. What a what a fucking real bitch. Like she doesn't, she doesn't <laughs> give a fuck. No, dude, and she's. She brings it too. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, if you listen to this fucking show, you got to champion these people because they're the ones who are, who are making the, the, the edgy art. Like, we need more of that. Yeah, man. Um, also, if you like edgy art, stay tuned for this week's interview with Nick Verity, who I feel like they they do it, like, perfectly, though, because it's not actually offensive in any way, but it has that kind of, like, atmosphere. To it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, I rolled into another film, and... Um, Unbeknownst to me, so Terrell uh, made a mean recommendation where he said, you watching that vampire movie? And I'm like, what vampire movie? He's like, on Netflix. He's like, it's black and white and looks boring. It looked like you would love it. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's now like, that looks- I believe. Yeah, he believe like- <laughs> that conversation 100%. He's like, it looks artsy. And I'm like, oh, do you mean it's the type of movie that Randy would watch and then hate? And he's like, yeah, exactly. And so uh, I watched it. It was about two hours long. I fucking somehow came up with the time. It's called El Conde. Um, it's foreign language. Yeah, foreign language. Lord. I believe it's Chilean film. Ooh. But this film is fucking Chile's getting a lot of heat on this show Dude, tonight. It's global. And guess what? You know, watching it right after Caviar, I think this is the more brutal political satire. Um, again, going to IMDb. That's a cool screenshot. Centers on Augusto Pinochet, who is not dead, but an aged vampire. After living 250 years in this world, he has decided to die once and for all. Oh, that sounds cool as hell. Yeah, and I'm very confused about the poster art. We get a neon, um, like, wash of El Conde, the title, and he's wearing sunglasses. I will tell you. It looks like a hype beast. It <laughs> That is nothing. It has nothing to do with the movie. The movie is all in black and white. And... This is kind Almost. of is what is there is there color at the very end? So you've watched it, yeah. I love Pablo okay. Lorraine's movies. He did Jackie and Spencer, and a movie called oh, No. Okay, pretty good. Oh, this yeah. this guy. Okay, cool. So you know, oh, um, plus you bury the lead. Well, son. I haven't seen any of those movies. Um, I will say the set design here is king, and everything looks fucking beautiful. I love the way it was shot. And this is one of those movies, whenever I think, whenever I, I rag on one of you two about the the standard you're holding these films we talk about, I think of a movie like this. Like, the craft here is all perfect. There's a lot of money. Uh, they do everything right. It feels well-researched. They blend multiple layers. Th- this film is at one point about a um, a character who's lived a long life. In fact, maybe... Uh, a doubly long life because of all the turmoil he's gone through in which way that, you know, which lends itself perfectly to being a vampire. And, you know, you could get like, you could take a high art route, a route here and um, really play with metaphor, or you could look at it as a film about politics and how the players may change, but the game never will. And we can refer to them as vampires who, even though they don't get their hands dirty, maybe early on in their career, they did. Later on in life, they are still directly responsible for people dying and for their lives being impoverished. Um, Or you could make it about a family drama of uh, affluent kids who had spent their whole life partying and learned how to do nothing, absolutely nothing of value and don't know how to take care of themselves, which I think was maybe my favorite angle here as um, our aging vampire is living in the countryside. He's got a long and very colorful past um, that begins with prostitutes trying to kill him. And this is the only one I want to mention because I think this was a highlight 
of the genre element of this film. That's how you know you're living right. Well, here's the thing. He didn't know he was a vampire. He caught on because he tried to do. He (laughs) He tried to feed on a girl while he was wasted and uh, she caught him and he wakes up in a bed and there are a group of prostitutes who have found a dude who knew what to do. And he had a stake that he was going to drive through him. This is a beautiful moment that I will probably remember forever as a fan of genre. It is a scenario I haven't seen a vampire in and it was shot beautifully and the way that you can elevate like um, sex workers and a, I think he was a priest. He was a priest, right? Randy, that came in. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't I remember. So. I don't remember. Yeah. He was, he was the dude who uh, immediately got that stake driven up through his jaw. It, dude, I love the vampire. He was like a romantic, like uh, you could understand why women would like him. He blends into the crowd while Marie Antoinette is being beheaded. And uh, he steals her head. I won't. I won't get into how this movie's got all that. Yet we find ourselves rooted in a legal drama about kids trying to dig up all the assets of their aged-out political figure father, who they know is a vampire. They are not vampires, but they now are sure that he wants to die. Well, their accountant can't make it out, but thankfully uh, they're sending another one in her spot. The problem is that they don't know that this accountant is also an exorcist who has been sent out by the church. And um, she's this little French girl who, unfortunately, the suicidal Dracula at the head of this family falls in love with and finds a new lease on life. So at this point, his wife, who is also a uh, pretty much just a criminal who is not a vampire, has been vying to become one. His butler, who is a vampire, who survived the Bolsheviks and has killed 300 Russians, but is loyal. Turns out he may not be that loyal. There, this, this thing is packed to the gills. At an hour and 50 minutes, it doesn't feel that long. And it's fucking beautiful. It's, it's the perfect balance of like pretension and genre. Um, it's elevated art. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I'm, I was going to be shocked if you hadn't seen it, Randy. Um, do you think I'm off on anything? Not really. I just will say that I don't enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed his other movies. I think it looks beautiful, like especially the scenes of them like flying. However they yeah. did them, it looks incredible. Um, yeah, cinematography, the black and white looks really cool. There's a lot of like very big, like wide shots of just like cities and stuff that looks good. But yeah, I don't know. I I think the political stuff felt like to me, there wasn't as much to, I don't know, for some reason it didn't really like, I felt like the metaphor, whatever they're saying that this uh, dictator, you know, who was a real guy mm-hmm. in Chile was like a very terrible guy, just saying that he's a, a vampire and like he, you know, won't die and that he's just a terrible person. It just felt like the critique was like, it didn't last two hours for me. Oh, okay. And then I like think, that whole like middle section where it's kind of like a courtroom drama almost. I got yeah. a little sleepy during that section too. But yeah, I knew it. I knew Randy would not. <laughs> it's funny. But here's the, so I think um, the reason why it being a genre film kind of elevates it is because that courtroom drama is also there's another layer of like you know the Exorcist, all of the like fucking cannibalistic children who. One of them, I don't know if they actually tackle this in the movie, 
But do you think one of them was like poisoning him by keeping him alive? Like sneaking blood into his food? Yeah. I'm I don't think sure they nailed yeah. Do a close up of one of them like putting like it looks like chili sauce or something into a dish. But then <sighs> later it shows someone putting like blood into like a thing that looks very similar to the thing that she was pouring into whatever they were cooking. Yeah. And no one remarks. I mean, maybe they're just used to spicy food, but nobody remarks on like the food being incredibly spicy, which I thought was weird. They did such a close up of them like pouring in a shit ton of this. And then like, it's not really remarked upon. Yeah. You know, you're right. And it's funny. I kept getting caught up in the uh, reimagining of the vampire rules. Because at all, like he goes out in daylight. Um, it also like, doesn't seem like any of them want him to stay alive, though. Which I was kind no, of no. They want him about. to die. Yeah, so yeah, and, yeah. That was weird to me too. Well, that's why I'm been saying, around for 250 years. So the the thing is, let's go. Well, even that, even that's important because we're getting into like um, only lovers left alive territory, where it's like I've been alive and I've done so much and yeah. I'm bored now. Yeah. Like, that's what's going to kill me. And in this movie, I mean, God, everything is pretty, like, harsh satire. But the political dance, man, they nailed it. And what I loved was you have, like, the five kids who are also, like, nobility or people who feel owed by this, like, once ruler. But the ruler's like, everything I did to get us where we were is hollow. And when you look through my paperwork, you'll see it. So there are moments, and I, I understand why Randy would be bored. There's a moment where he's sitting down with the exorcist slash accountant and um, they're talking about, oh, okay, so you bought a steel mill from the government for nothing, which, you know, because it's his kid. And she's like, but you turned around and you sold it three years later for like millions. And she's like, so you've done something with your life. You, you recovered the steel mill. That's like real work. And he's like, no, no, I sold it in the same condition. Like it was the same mill. Nothing was changed. It might've been worse. And there's like, you, you get all these interactions. And for me, somebody who's deeply cynical about fucking the world of politics, it was almost, it was hitting me harder than fucking caviar. And I felt like at the end of the day, they're, they're saying the players in this game will never change because they're vampires. They may be a different vampire, but they are creatures. They don't, you know, we're not the same. Like, even if you're family, it doesn't fucking matter. They're in, there's a beautiful moment too, Randy where he travels back to the country he fled. He's got a little bit of like Che Cavera in him. So he was a revolutionary who came up. They succeeded in overthrowing the government. And then he got a boring office job. And was like, time to die. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. And um, he returns to that land and breaks into the Capitol building just to see if they've given him a bust yet. And he's like, nope. And he stands between two and the camera switches to kind of paint the illusion that he was a bust. And it was just one of those profound visual moments where you're like, he's not dead. He's still participating in this fucked up game, but he is kind of dead and he is kind of a relic. And I couldn't help but think of most of our government now, now that we're in this geriatric phase. Oh yeah. And I I kept thinking, you know, caviar, I was waiting. I mean, they literally had AI AOC AI Fauci, AI uh, Bush. They had AI fucking everybody in that movie. Yeah. But this movie almost was like touching on some Biden shit with like um, influence peddling. They talk about it in here. They talk about um, 
just like all the corrupt bureaucratic bureaucratic avenues that aren't so flashy. And I, I don't know, man, it, it really fucking worked for me. Um, also there's gore here and it, it feels really good. And there's little things like the fangs. Our vampire has some very curious fangs, but his um, butler has got like a Nosferatu, uh, Nosferatu vibe. So I don't know. This is really thoughtful. It's cool. It's fucking Terry Gilliam, Wes Anderson doing an epic vampire movie. Or, you know, the director that Randy mentioned. Uh, what were the other films he did, Randy? The, the Club is great. I love The, the Club. The Club is good too. Yeah. Uh, Jackie um, and Spencer. Jackie. And No, which is also about Augusto Pinochet, apparently. See, so what's his deal, dude? He got like a fetish. Man, I wonder. He's got a pretty um, firm grasp, or at least a lot to say about like the current geopolitical world. And this movie was getting, it was getting out there for me, like where uh, the the new French girl was having an exchange with the Bolshevik uh, surviving butler, and they were having an interaction that felt like there's baggage here. But I'm like you're too far for me. Like, I don't know. And even just the fact that this is like a Chilean film and uh, I mean, I don't want to name her, but there's a political figure from the UK that comes over and I'm like, Margaret Thatcher. Yes. And there's a lot of baggage there. You know, I called it out too. And then I, I was like, you know, I really don't know that much about her, but she makes an appearance and it's like, I feel like this is scathing, but I don't have enough context to really get it. But you can enjoy it as just a beautiful film or as a vampire movie, too. Um, yeah, I really recommend that one. That's probably an 11. I don't know why I'm not doing 12. I'm a little. Oh, I, I like how smitten you are with this movie. Yeah, I had fun. Oksana, am I off my uh, rocker here? No, I mean, it just get it gets like kind of complicated with all the people and like the storyline or the timelines. I mean, yeah. I feel like I got lost a little bit towards the end, but I mean, it looks gorgeous no matter which um, perspective you look at it from. Yeah, it's it's weird. The political element is really big, though. Like, if you're not into that kind of like, what's up with politics today kind of attitude, I don't know if it will hit as hard for you. So I, I was eating it up, though. Like there's stuff with the church and people who you thought were holier than thou not being and other people who are kind of just like, or people becoming compromised. Like that's a vampire thing. Unexpectedly like funny too. Like, Oh yeah. There's good humor in here. And you know what? I have to mention it. Randy talking about the flying. That was my one area where I'm like, I don't know if I like this. It looked a little, (laughs) that looked very Wes Anderson kind of cute because he's just up there like flying. Yeah. But the like generalissimo like uniform for like a substitute for Dracula, dude, it worked so well. Yeah, I don't know. I I loved it. Clark, I think you'll you'd enjoy it, but you'd have to be in the right mood. Yeah. No, I it, yeah, I, I'm very intrigued. Uh this I mean, I I if this was a theatrical situation. Oh, dude, that would have been uh, you know did it mean? play in a theater, Randy? Not that I know of. I hadn't seen it out here. See, this is a bummer. This is a theater movie. That, that would have killed in a theater. You know what I mean? Actually, I don't know about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why they're like, dude, you went too hard on the politics, bro. Although he killed with fucking um that other political movie. God, you just mentioned the name of it. Spencer? Was that political? Not really. Was that a movie? No. I mean, it's what about was- Princess Diana, but it's not really political. Oh, okay. All right. Randy, all right. If I'm a fish and I'm hooked, but I'm not reeled in yet. What's the, what's the movie I should follow this one up with? 
I don't know. Like, uh, the ones that uh, I like the most, Jackie and Spencer are such different movies too. I think that's maybe why I was thrown off too. Those are oh, more like okay. emotional character pieces almost. I didn't like Jackie. Well, Love this Jackie. one's got that. This one's got like the, you know, the, see the club, dude. Totally. They feel very, the club maybe. Yeah. The club, the club's for you. What kind of club? If it's a strip oh, club, I don't, I don't do that. It's, it's not a fun club, Russell. Okay, what are you doing? <laughs> this is true. What kind of club is it? Randy, you tell. Uh, it has to do with the Catholic Church, I believe, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, so it's, it's a club of uh, uh, priests who got kicked out of their parishes for um, oh. various reasons. It, are, Randy, do his movies get more or less rated R? Like... I feel like I feel like he's like a PG guy. God, you're already speaking like a parent. Your no, baby's not even one yet. I, dude. I, I, <laughs> I meant because I would like to see him get like further into the R. I want to see a I want to see an MA movie. You want a hard him. R out of him? I want, a, I want an MA. Give oh. me an X. What the what? NC? All the letters. Dude. So if this is an eleven out of twelve, what's uh, what's holding you back? I should probably go twelve. At a boy. My, it's in my Q zone. Bam! Um, got a 12. All right. Or two thumbs up. Uh, by the way, you hit the time. Like, you know, <laughs> it was great though. I know I did. El Conde. Do you know what that means in Spanish? No. No? Randy? No? No idea. The Count. <laughs> Damn it. I like the Count. You know, they even That's talk about it in the movie. He says like people that get to know him, he makes them refer to him as that. Yeah. He's the Count. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next week. No, just kidding. Uh, We're dead next week. What? We survived. Actually, um, the 23rd was supposed to be the end of the That's world. right. We, li- we did it. Yep. We said we wouldn't do it, but no, we're stubborn. Uh, Thursday's episode is great. Like Russell said, uh, we talked to Nick Purdy and B.R. Yeager, um, uh, you know, the force behind uh, the movie that they're going to talk about. And sweet the name relief. of that movie is Sweet <laughs> Relief. Thank you. <laughs> uh, long day. And a lot of drags on this here vape because I, <laughs> like Lauren Boebert, get it. See? I'm making news references. You're not even paying attention, dude. I'm trying to stay in the moment. You are. You're crushing it, dude. All right. What are you looking at? I'm looking at movies that predicted the world would end All on the 23rd. Right. Well, we're about to close up shop. All right. So Thursday, uh, great interview. Uh, those guys are cool. And I'm sorry that, oh, actually, no, I'm not sorry. Because guess what? You can see their movie. Uh, that, <laughs> they talk about it. So if you hit them up, they'll send you the movie. The movie's not out. But if you want to see it, they'll send it. To but you. if you got the invite from this show and you fucking try to pirate it or something, like, we'll find you. Randy I- is a fucking expert hacker. He he shuts down oh. call banks in India. Yeah. So he will find you and we'll dox you. Hey man, if we let you in the club, would you just be cool? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Don't be ripping shit. These are nice people. These are good people. And it's good movies too. So. These, these are I'm not kidding. I love that movie. Um I'd watch it. I'll watch it again right now. Um Yeah, everyone's great. So look forward to Thursday. And uh until then. I leave you in the hands of Randy Michaelstadt from Atlanta, Georgia, who's going to send you off the best way he can. So, Randy, 
send us your good vibes. Yeah, or if you don't feel like uh, hitting them up directly, but you know someone uh, that knows them that uh, has seen it and also has the link, do that because that's what I did. So shouts out Robbie Smith. Uh, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.